This podcast does contain spoilers, so if you're okay with that, listen on. If not, pause the podcast, go watch the movie we're about to talk about, and come on back. All right, sweet. Excuse me. Brian, uh, over here. Hey. Pardon me, pardon me. Why don't you have the popcorn? It's starting! Woo! <laughs> hey, 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 hey! Shut up. Shut up and listen to the podcast. Hey! There's a lot out there to see. This is what we watched. Uh, what do you say? What do you say? Should we just uh, should we jump in? Should we start the episode? Hell yeah! So so today um, is we're going to be talking about Inception. It's one of one of my favorite, one of Jeff's favorite movies. Um, this one came out back in 2010, and yet still, after I don't know at least a dozen times, I think I've seen this. I still catch something that I missed or or forgot some crucial detail or or, or delivery of a line or there's there's just so much in this one. And that, even visually, it just like stands up. It, like holds up really well still like yeah obviously because he does most everything practically but there's still actually a decent amount of visual effects in this too that you're right and it still looks pretty still good so yeah so this is uh what we watch this podcast about uh movie movies and listening and talking and sometimes watching things and i'm brandon uh that's matt oh wait that's not matt no that's no the the silence was matt yes i was is... gonna say that that right there was jeff oh that that was me yeah i'll, I'll wave um jeff jeff <laughs> is gonna go ahead and uh be co-host today a uh, very very special guest star who we've had on the last of us uh chapters one two and coming out very soon if not already uh chapter three <laughs> um of the last of us rewatch um and he is also i would which movie did you guys talk about dungeons and dragons dungeons and, and dragons no, and john wick no it was dungeons creed creed dungeons creed, and dragons creed. and then and john wick four that's right you guys you, yep. you talked about it quite a lot yeah so yeah. uh uh well that was then this is now so <laughs> fuck the past and yeah. let's get into it <laughs> one thing i do want to say is that this is definitely one of my like may it if may you still say this, this is different than, than the video game i think i'm gonna punch you in the face <laughs> no i saved that for the last of us series um no this is definitely one of my favorite christopher nolan movies to yeah. this day i think it is still my top favorite christopher nolan movie okay. I, I consider it one of like when you think of christopher nolan this is this is his this is, yeah, style this is like, pretty this pretty is peak. him Yes. Yeah. And um, it's also kind of what I consider classic DiCaprio. Like the way that that oh, totally. Leo looks in this film is like what I envision when I think DiCaprio. Yeah. Just distraught. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I more meant like facially yeah, his hair slicked back. <laughs> You're absolutely right. <laughs> Every character he plays nowadays is just distraught just and just like confused. <laughs> yeah. Just well, think about it for a second. Uh, the Revenant. Mm-hmm. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Like he's just don't look he, up. Yeah, he he's just very much just like he's got shit going on. <laughs> <laughs> Shutter Island. So so this came out the same year that Shutter Island came out, which is something right. that yeah. that he talked about a lot um, in in press interviews and whatnot. One thing that I found interesting that he was he was talking about is he he doesn't attribute the two to be like a uh, hand in hand kind of thing. It's basically mm. uh, this one character, this unreliable narrator, is. Um, off in a dreamlike world or a fan, you know, their own fantasy kind of world mm-hmm. um, that's detached from reality. And he says that that's pretty much where the similarities end. However, yeah. the way that I think that he approaches both of the characters is very similar in the way that, um, you know, the, some of the themes of unreliable narrators and uh, human psychology and the mm-hmm. psyche and, and, and everything that it can get into is very similar. And it's probably got to be really easy for an actor to kind of stay in a similar headspace. Right. 
Well, I guess to that extent, if I'm remembering correctly, so Shutter Island, it was a Martin Scorsese film. Yes, I believe and so. And that character in there also dealt with his family loss, essentially. Yeah. Um, more of a like literal lost his entire family in Shutter Island. Yeah. But then, but uh, not to say, not to downplay losing his wife in Inception, because that was also terrible. But <laughs> very terrible, very terrible. And I mean, we see I think we see and it's been a long time since I've seen Shutter Island. And mm-hmm. I, I thought it was a great movie. I, yeah. I really do. But I thought I think that this one stands out um, in in many different ways and not just because it's, you know, a star studded cast, not just because it, it still holds up visually, but also because, like you said, it's, it's Chris Nolan. It's it's yeah. one of his most iconic things. It's something that I didn't know that he uh, pitched this to Warner Brothers in 2001. Right after, oh, wow. yeah, after yeah. after Memento and after um, his next one, which is you know that um, one movie. There was it was the one with Hugh Jackman, yeah, um, or the something, the Prestige. Nope, ah, nope, oh. nope. That's after. Oh, that's after. Oh. Well, that is a movie. That's the that's one I in two thousand six. Oh yeah, no, it's definitely not that one. <laughs> um, hold on, hold on. We're gonna get there. I that got was, this. That was still Bi though before Inception. <laughs> 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 yes, it was. <laughs> it was Insomnia. The one I was thinking of was oh, Insomnia. So yeah. before he did Insomnia, he pitched uh, Inception. And basically, Warner Brothers was like, yeah, cool. That sounds great. Nice. How are you going to do this? And he's like, I'm going to get back to you on that. Yeah. And it's then like, went uh, off and did we'll Insomnia. We'll do it in real life. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and, then, and then went off and did the, the Batman. Yep. Um, the Batman Begins and, and then, then The Dark Knight. Yeah. And then at that point, they're like... Uh, Here's all the money. It basically, uh, that, and, and, do yep, what you want. Exactly. That unlocked <laughs> uh, something in, in the studio. like, here, just have whatever it is you need, and we're going to allow you to Because Inception tell. was after The Dark Knight, too. Yep, the Dark exactly. Knight hit so hard. And, 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 and again, it, yeah. it, uh, because not only was The Dark Knight right, just so culturally loved, but right. it, it proved that Christopher Nolan uh, could take on a project like this. Mm-hmm. What Inception did is it made Chris Nolan... Uh, it broke through his style, exactly, right? and and it it really you know he was the driving force in in yeah. wanting uh, people wanting to go and see you know a Christopher Nolan film right. was because of Inception, mm-hmm. um, like it was it broke through his uh, originality of like concepts essentially, yes. right? Yeah, because like because exactly. the Batman obviously was based off of other stories, and he's mm-hmm. recreating mm-hmm. that, and he did a really great job. But then Inception was just like, all right, now my own thing that I made up. Boom, let's yep. go. Fully fully original. I mean, you know, as original as you as you can get while pulling tropes from, you know, sci-fi and, mm-hmm. and heist and um, you know, elements of horror films. I mean, but as as original of a of a concept as you can get, um I mean, even a memento he adapted, I didn't know this, he adapted from his brother's short story. Oh, so, interesting. Right. Um That's right. D- doesn't his brother write with him sometimes yes. on these? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah right. But uh this one was just Christopher, and so originally he had about an 80-page treatment that um, his wife, Emma Thomas, who's also his producing partner, mm-hmm. um, she kind of read it over, and she's like, yeah, this is really good, but, like, what's the emotional story? And so it took him, he kept kind of, you know, coming back to it and trying to see, all right, what, what, what's the emotional piece that I can, I can infuse into this? Mm-hmm. And, then it, and then it finally clicked that, hey, I'm banging my head against the wall trying to create a heist film that's involving yeah. all of these, yep. you know, different elements and dreamscapes. Mm-hmm. What I need to do is is focus on one character's emotional yeah. journey through this entire thing. And yep. basically, he says that that that's what unlocked it. Nice. And then once he did that, then DiCaprio came in. Um, yep. And when DiCaprio came in, they they talked for I think he said about two months, almost every day, 
about the character, about yeah. the backstory, about the world, about just every possible thing that they po- that they that they could think of. And mm-hmm. I think that really helps solidify not just for Leo and and where to take this character, but I think for Nolan and and how to write for you know someone for an actor of Leo's caliber, right? Is it just me, or do they kind of look like each other? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, that's, I don't know why, but every time I see both of them in like some form or another, I'm just like, yeah. God, they like this, they, like you were they, saying the slick back hair yeah, thing, and yeah, I don't know it's those just, piercing blue fact. eyes. <laughs> Yeah, they've got, they've just got something similar there. Just, or, yeah, or I'm or I'm crazy group. or both. You know, whatever. <laughs> no, I agree. I think that uh, I think that it's uh, a valid point, and I need to not look at those pictures side by side because I'm gonna yeah. get lost. <laughs> um. So wait, so you said that Inception came out in 2010. That's what IMDb says. But okay. We also understand that IMDb is an uh, as I believe I put it an unreliable narrator at times. <laughs> But for like the simpler stuff, it's relevant, and I I think for the most part those years are pretty close. Because the main thing I main reason I'm asking is because uh, it's interesting to know that in 2008 he came out with The Dark Knight, mm-hmm. right, and that got such huge success. And then when in 2010 when he and he usually goes on like a two or three year gap between mm-hmm. making movies. Mm-hmm. Um, he brought in his same DP, Wally Pfister, that shot The Dark Knight, and then Hans Zimmer, yes. which was for the entire Batman trilogy yes. as well. Um, so he brought his A team that he made the most success with and then created this amazing film and it was awesome. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, um, and what, something that he also talks about is, is, you know, feeling the pressure of, um, not a lot of filmmakers get to do this, do, mm-hmm. you know, whatever they want yeah. and, and not just whatever they want, but whatever they want with studio approval and like studio right. encouragement with enough money to do whatever they want. And he, 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 said that he really felt pressure to kind of live up to that yeah. and um you know like make I, something that really was going to blow the doors totally. off. I feel like he could have gone to A24 but then A24 <laughs> would have been like they don't have that much money. Uh, <laughs> we, can give, we can give you 75 bucks, dude. I I I'm renting, like your concept renting. is great, but can you do it cheaper? <laughs> like can you can you do it on on uh, can you do it on a handicap? Yeah. I don't I don't think we can afford uh, what, do, what do you call that? A boom? <laughs> yeah. Oh God! Yeah, well, so I this... don't even know if Christopher Nolan would know because he's still like, have you heard stories about how he cre- like uh-huh. carries like an old school TV monitor thing? Does he really? Yeah, like <laughs> like old school. And that's what he looks off of like for his, like, oh, that's awesome. his, uh, his monitor. That, I, I did <laughs> see that he kind of keeps his process the same, but I didn't know that. Yeah, he keeps it. He did, I'll see if I can pull up a picture. Oh, my God, really that's funny. awesome. Good for him. Hey, whatever. <laughs> if it ain't broke, don't fucking fix it. Um, but yeah, so the, so this, have you looked at any numbers or anything box office wise? I haven't. All right. No. So I'm going to play the role of, of Matt now, and I'm going to oh, ask nice. you, what do you think the estimated budget is? Cause I have all of the Ooh, answers yeah, I have, <laughs> within I shot. I've told Matt this and then, uh, I'll tell you this as well. I'm, I, I don't look at numbers very often at all. Um, I just go and see things and enjoy them. <laughs> as you but, should yes. as you should but, but because it's well after the fact and but, it's not going to <laughs> influence this in any way shape or form i'm yeah. curious yeah so uh so wait what was the question again <laughs> <laughs> matt i'm in total control <laughs> um so what do you think the estimated budget was uh, from budget. warner brothers yeah um in in 2000 let's 2000, say 2008 2009 yeah. is probably when they Coming really the greenlit it um, I want to say he got a budget of 200 mil. 
Just a little bit under, but very okay. close. Very close. I'm well, somehow you know good at guessing, but I have no, there's no <laughs> so, point. Like I don't pull any facts from anywhere. I right. Just <laughs> I mean, and, and honestly, and, and like Matt and I have talked about it, it's hard to know because it's an estimated budget sure. and then it also doesn't include what they spent on advertising. So we really mm-hmm. don't know what that, what sure. that side is. There's some variances in there. But what exactly what's reported is 160 million, which is fucking insane. I, I don't yeah. care who you are. But yeah, so so this uh, didn't quite reach the success of the box office as The oh. Dark Knight. However, it is it got really fucking close. Dark Knight grossed over a billion dollars. Oh my! God. This one, do you want to take a shot and see what it would worldwide? What do you think? It, what do you think it grossed? Well, it can't be a billion. Correct. Um, I want to guess eight hundred thousand. Um, it's or eight hundred million. <laughs> there you go. I was like, it's um. I'll get the numbers. The quite a right. bit more than that. Than that. Uh, eight hundred thousand. That they spent that in a day. Yeah, what are you talking about? Eight hundred thousand. I know. I guess the budget two hundred million, and I'm just like eight hundred thousand. They didn't do great at all. Yeah, I don't think that he would have ever pulled his head out of the sand had it had it done something like that. It's a great oh picture of God. him just being an ostrich and just going. <laughs> 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 the monitor is coming out. <laughs> the monitor's still rolling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Chris, we got stuff to do now. <laughs> um, but no, you're very close. Yeah, eight eight hundred and seventy million dollars is what it grossed. Okay. Um, so I mean, it it was just a smash success. It it was nominated for eight Oscars. It won four. Right. Um, it yeah. It, it won visual effects, sound mm-hmm. editing, sound mixing, and cinematography. Yep. Um, and somehow. Uh, he he was not nominated for director, which I think is is a crime. Um, yeah, did Leonardo DiCaprio even get nominated? No, that year? no, he didn't even what? get nominated How for crazy. that either. I know, How right? Crazy. Um, that was not one of one of his nominations that he lost. But it's uh, <laughs> I found I found it interesting that the the two thing two things that that this movie did lose uh, to at the Oscars were um, for screenplay lost to the King's Speech. I mm-hmm. think that the King's Speech was fantastic. I never ended up seeing that, but it, as I, far I as as far as originality goes, I think that this one takes cake far and above. I mean, the King's okay. Speech is technically based on real life, right. so is it really an original screenplay? Yes. A and B. <laughs> the other category was um, uh, achievement in music written for motion pictures. Hans Zimmer lost it, oh in, at this category too. Uh, a couple of people who we've talked about on episodes prior, mm-hmm. Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross for The Social Network. Mm. I haven't seen The Social Network probably since it came out. Mm-hmm. I can guarantee you it's not as good. I don't remember what this music sounded like. That's what like, I mean. Inception like, is so memorable. It's so <sighs> ubiquitous yeah. at this point now. And, and yeah. something that Hans Zimmer talked about was, um, so so Christopher Nolan knew that he wanted that song, right? The the yeah. Ma, ba, da, however that song goes i'm not even gonna attempt it <laughs> bah, um, bah, that one or <laughs> from the top <laughs> one two three and um yeah so so he knew that was gonna be in pretty much the entire time and so he's like so uh, what he did is he, he gave Hans zimmer that song and he said mm-hmm. here you create this this is what you know, the movie's about this is what i want to do this is the yeah. feeling i want but then he didn't let Hans zimmer see anything until the right. film was was done totally and i feel like he i think i heard something that he did that two on interstellar like that, that's the collaboration process like yeah. he gives them he gives them very he gives them the key elements of what he wants the like the feel from the music to be right. and then uh it's just a really cool collaboration of like mashing it all together right well end. because because then it's you know you're allowing somebody else to put their own creative spin yeah. on it. and and i think that with this one you know having that foundation of the song that you know you're going to use and, mm-hmm. and not just use just you know willy-nilly but used in key elements yeah, uh, and then you you couple that with what what Hans Zimmer you know can do with yeah. just music in general. Totally, 
is it, it really truly was such a beautiful marriage between the two. Yeah. And then you tweak it here and there after, you know, you, you sure. marry the image to, to the, yeah. um, to the audio. And I, and I love the fact that they're both self-taught on uh, Zimmer and Christopher Nolan. That is like, mind blowing. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't quite know how to, how to react to that. That's, I know. It's like, why did I go to film school? <sighs> exactly. Right. The fuck have I been doing? I should just not. And then spin them. (laughs) And just, you know, taking over their identity. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So, yeah. So, so something that I really wanted to to mention and, and it's only reinforced because I didn't know this, uh, what the, the fact that, that I'll tell you to back up my own insane claim, (laughs) but this was the first movie that I remember actively not wanting to know anything about it going in. Interesting. So after, okay. it's a weird tie-in, but uh, after Despicable Me was basically <laughs> given to me uh, through the trailers and so uh-huh. many different right pieces of advertising, by the time I finally got around to seeing that movie, I was bored by it because everything I knew everything was going to happen. Mm. So then I okay. saw the the Inception teaser trailer, the very yep. first one, where it was basically that score, that ominousness. Yeah. It had the the cliffs falling into the mm-hmm. sea, yep. right? Yep. And, and it was just this, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. And I went, that's all I need. So, I don't want to yeah, know a goddamn go thing. Anything. I, and I did, I, I legitimately, I would, <laughs> this is, you know, 14 years, 13 years ago. Uh-huh. Uh, so cut me some slack, <laughs> but I would get up and I'd leave the room. Like a, a commercial would come on, the trailer would come on. I'd leave the room. Or if I couldn't, I'd, you know, plug my ears. And I like, yeah. I, I did everything I could to go. I just want, I, I don't, I, for, I don't remember what compelled me, mm-hmm. but besides knowing that despicable me was ruined by advertising. Sure. Yeah. I was like, all right, well, I want to give this guy a chance, right? Interesting. Love, love the yeah. the Dark Knight. Love Batman Begins. Love Memento. Yeah. Let me see what he can do. Let me see if he can tell me this. Yeah. And, and you know this this weird. Totally. Well, I mean, uh, even to that point, it's it just goes kind of to show that for these uh, people like Christopher Nolan or say James Cameron and stuff like that, it's just it comes down to storytelling, and I. Yep. That's the thing that I've seen in even even say successful. Filmmakers like a good example is James Wan. Before he was big, he came out with a short film based on Saw. Like I don't really? know, I don't know if you've seen the short film Saw, but then no, I didn't know there was a short film exactly. And so that, that's but incredible. that actually gained big traction, and I think that's where he got the deal to actually make Saw one. And then that's where he got it. I think that's where he actually got his start from there. Because then I think he, I think I don't remember exactly. He might have directed. Uh, the first Fast and the Furious. Okay. okay. And then he also did The Conjuring. He got more into horror based mm-hmm. off of the Saw stuff. And um, he's done his share of, it seems like he's either in horror or action. Yeah. But, and, um, and yeah, it's, it's it's really interesting how you can just bounce around and then make a name for yourself in one aspect and then completely reinvent yourself right. in something else. But the point being that like, if you can make a, sh- if you, when it comes to short films, I've just told people over and over, I'm just like, don't overcomplicate it. it the simplest story will take you so far yeah and yeah. then and you can keep coming back to that well yeah right? and, th- and then that's like and then from there you can take things further and make like make your stories bigger when you get bigger budgets and more yeah. of a like traction with it and that's where i feel like these people take off like yeah. when you look at something like chris Nolan's uh memento mm-hmm. it's like you know it's not like the highest quality shot thing but it the fucking story is super yep. interesting and it, and the story is interesting you know but it's it's what I love is it's it's so character based and everything mm-hmm. feels so real. Well, and even even in you know through through the Dark Knight trilogy, everything uh, you know Mattel rises at, at times. Um, <laughs> yeah, it has its moments. It, it I mean it, it has its moments, yeah. but you know everything feels real in in a Christopher Nolan 
you know, thing. Right. It, it, the characters don't feel far-fetched. The characters feel like they are actual human beings right. interacting in, in, in a, in a you well, know, one real thing, world. One thing he's really good at, too, is really conveying the characters' mindsets and feelings visually, for instance. Like, uh, or, well, for instance, in Inception, well, we'll take Memento first, right? Like, uh, this guy... What 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 is the thing he has? He just can't. He has like short term memory loss, like he in, or long term memento. Oh, memento. Yeah, yeah. yeah he just can't, uh, his retrograde amnesia. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like he just like he can't or a form of he can't put all the pieces together. Like he constantly forgets things and mm-hmm. like uh, the way it cuts together. Even like you'll just enter up in a spot and then you're just like I don't even know why I'm here. And then like it's yep. literally the how, ed- how the did editing, we end up here? The editing makes it feel that like you're yeah. feel like you're thinking the same way yeah, as that character. Absolutely. And then to uh, join that in with Inception. The way that he conveys the feelings of let's like when you're in different dream layers, for instance, um, there's the part where uh, in the beginning, Leonardo DiCaprio is falling, uh, doing the kick, falling off the chair into the bathtub. Yeah. And the water sprays from all sides inside the building and everything like that. I mean, Titanic-esque, yes, but. Yes, true, (laughs) true. But but even to take it a step further um, later on and like when the, let's say the van's rolling, Mm -hmm. like uh, in the hotel when uh Joseph Gordon-Levitt's characters fighting off those guys. The yeah. literal set is rotating. Yeah. And it's just like he really conveys the feelings, the physical feelings of what these characters are experiencing in a visual way. Well, and it's really awesome. It's it's incredible. And and uh, it, it, it's it's a testament to how he thinks about about his films. Is yeah. It's not about, ooh, how can I put a twist on this? Ooh, how can I right, reinvent myself? Or how can I make something different than before? I mean, yes... Um, he's always challenging everyone to do something a little bit different, right? Think about a new technique, think about a new way mm-hmm. that you haven't done before. And he works yeah. together with, you know, a lot of the same team. So, you know, you know, the rotating hallways, an example of, yeah. you know, he, they were talking about um, how he asked for just a little bit more than you normally would, would yep. hear from somebody. Mm-hmm. And it's not because, you know, he has this insane vision. It's because he, he wants to challenge you to put the best thing forward. Yeah. But and I other- think, I think it pushes other people to do the same thing too. Cause oh, absolutely. I, I don't, someone else did it before him. I'm pretty sure, but he's, he paved the way for people. Like I think Billy Eilish does it in a music video. Yeah. Euphoria does I'm the same sure, thing. I'm pretty sure 2001 does it, you know, uh, space Odyssey. I'm pretty sure that that at least that, what that one walking scene, I'm pretty sure that that's a rotating set. I don't in think a, they in they, a slightly different way because right don't don't they walk towards camera while the set's rotating? Possibly, it's it's been it's a minute since I've seen yeah. that. Yeah, but you know, again, you know, you can yes. take elements and you can take techniques, but then you can expand on them. And mm-hmm. I think that that's what's important here is. And the other the other thing is what Nolan does is he looks at it from the viewpoint of the audience. He's not doing it from all right. I'm the director. You're the actor. I'm you know or or we've got this giant production and I have all these mm-hmm. you know these expectations is. If I'm sitting in, 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 you know, in a theater, what do I want to see? And that's how he directs and how he dictates the scene that that's in front of him. And I think yeah. that uh, speaks to what you were saying, you know, just a minute ago. He he wants the audience to be to be compelled. He yes. he's not looking for you know to wow somebody just for the wow factor. He's looking for the most entertaining story, most yeah. entertaining character, the most entertaining experience at the theater. And and one thing that um, I, I I believe you you felt the same thing, but um, you know, I actively didn't look for, you know, trailers or information about this. You just kind of stumbled into not yeah, knowing anything I, about I, this. I was just oblivious. <laughs> for me, uh, it was, it was very much a, it was one of the best theater experiences I think I've ever had. Yeah. Probably, probably second only to Avatar, the first one. Ooh, in in terms of, of the way that that movie made me feel in that moment of, of watching everything 
unwrap and and, and yeah. knowing only what what he wanted me to know at the time he wanted yeah. me to know it and th- not trying to think too too far forward not trying to beat him to the punchline not trying to right. guess what was going to happen next yep. and just fully immersing myself and i yeah. and well even I the try, way his even the way his twists played out yeah. too like it, it he does it so subtly and then by the end like you find out that he the per- like he touches upon the fact from mm-hmm. the very start mm-hmm. that he's like he's like i know inception is possible and then by the end, you figure out like, oh shit, that's why he knows it's possible. Yep, exactly. Exactly. He does it so well, he does it's, it so well. And and there are there's little foreshadowings here and there. There's you know what what what's the most uh, the the first thing he says to to Saito was you know it's it's an idea the the, mm-hmm. the very construct of an idea that you know is is what we're trying to to do here. And it's like oh fuck from the get go pretty mm-hmm. much it's it's already you know in your mind of what's going on. Yeah, and that um, being said. I, uh, in rewatching this movie again, they explain like as complex as his ideas are, he ex- they explain it so well and like, so cleverly too. Yes, a lot like, of the times I think it that, seems natural; it doesn't feel forced. Yeah, I think that a lot of the times you'll find that the surrogate surrogate audience character is kind of annoying, at least for me. Mm-hmm. When when I know that the character is asking questions for my benefit, or it just so happens that you know we have someone who's never done this before is 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 here, but. I think that you're absolutely right. Is it's very organic. It's yeah. very like Paige's character. Um, um, it's like way, the way the characters, the characters' dialogue plays out. They're finding out things the same time we're finding out things, and, and that's and why it feels not, so organic. And it's not just because it's. I think it's also not just um, Ariadne. Mm-hmm. I, I I think it's everybody else as well, right? Yeah. Arthur has some kind of an idea about Maul, but he has no yes. idea to the extent. Right. You know, um, Eames. Doesn't have a clue. Probably couldn't give a fuck. Right. Um, right. Kane. Uh, uh, Kane. Um, Michael Kane. Michael Kane's character. Who I, I can't remember yeah. the life of me. Uh, his character name. You know, he actually, I think he's the only other person who knows. And he, mm-hmm. instead of doing something, all he does is stand by and go, just, dude, come back to reality. Like, yeah. forget your fantasy. And, you know, maybe... I think he knows how deep it it goes, or or how deep that connection is. But I think mm-hmm. that he he ignores it intentionally to try and protect himself from right. the pain that you know of having to go through something like that like that mm-hmm. again. But I I absolutely agree that all of this incredibly intellectual right uh, mind bending information yeah it never feels forced. It never yep. feels like it's too much. It, yep. it it's it's you know clear enough to understand even with the throwaway lines such as. Um, oh yeah, the military developed this and that's how they train soldiers to like get mentally tougher. Right. Like, he's, he's just filling in naturally like the potholes that people are looking for. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and it's, where it, the, does it great. Where the fuck did this come from? It's Why like, are well, you if you this? look back at this part, that's, he explains that. Um, it's brief, but it's enough yes. uh, to at least give me something. Yes. If you give me something, I'm a lot more forgiving of the other plot holes or the other right. potential problems or the other potential, you know, things that, I could nitpick, and the real only reason that I would nitpick it at this movie, and we'll get to that, is because I've seen it so many times, and I yeah. think that this film can stand, can withstand criticism and critique, yeah. and because it's so engaging, it's yeah. so much fun. It's a it's a ride mm-hmm. from the from from literally from the the opening credits over the titles, you yeah. have that booming uh, score. Yep, and, and it just immediately and then just visuals are insane, mm-hmm. and then and it's just like. The action is actually really cool too. Yeah, like the fighting, right. it's and the, the shooting sequences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's it's really just a super entertaining film. Um, incredibly, and, yeah. incredibly. Yeah, and like we were talking about, the exposition is just done really well through dialogue. Is as like 
it's just it's just really quick and it just that's all you really need to keep up is if you pay attention <laughs> but uh it might take a couple of watches but right. honestly i think that that the pacing is done really well as yeah. well so if you only have a chance to see it once i, I think that you're gonna understand it yeah. quicker than you know maybe you know if you've never seen it and people have said oh you know you got to be really paying attention i mean yeah. yes but at the same time no because if you just kind of let let the story unfold and let the characters yeah. tell you what they're going to tell you. I think that it's a lot easier to digest yeah. than sometimes it you know can sure. can be. That's why its rewatchability is just uh, it's just it has great rewatchability essentially. A- absolutely, like, you'll just catch all these little things and then you'll understand the story even better than the first time. Like one of my favorite scenes where they ex- they basically explain what Inception is is when. It's between Saito, Arthur, and Cobb. Oh God! And, that and scene. in the helicopter, that helicopter. If we and ever it's do, it's so quick. But they, man, they explain it so well. Like uh, Saito's like, "Oh, it's a simple idea," and then Cobb's like, "No idea is simple when you have to plant it in someone's head." Yes. And then and then Arthur goes into explaining. Yep. It's like the, take, the, the elephant. Yes. Thing. Take take the elephant. Like uh, t- t- uh, I'll tell you, don't like what he say. Don't think about elephants. Uh, yeah. You're, here's me giving you an yeah, idea. And he's like he's like. He's like, what do you think about elephants? Elephants. And he's like, yeah, but you, you like, you can always track back the source of where that came from. It has to come organically. You have to come up with it yourself. Right. And it's just like, like that's right. And that's where the key so... element of the heist thing comes into play. Yep. It's like you have yep. to trick somebody into thinking what you want them to think. And I love, I love that. See, if we ever like do a digest on scenes, this is near the top of my list. Yeah. That that helicopter scene, I fucking love. It and was great, honestly. This entire movie is just riddled with scenes that if you if you were to just right randomly number them, pull them all out, throw them into a hat, shuffle it, and pull one out, I don't think you're going to get a bad scene. I don't yeah. think there's one that you you would be disappointed by like going. Every, we can yeah, analyze that. Every shot and scene has some sort of like motivation to push the f- story forward. You're like, yes. you know, even just mm-hmm. like Ariana walking through at night in that warehouse and just seeing Cobb like, um, with uh, what's his name, um, Yusuf, yes, and just like under going under you're like 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 that's the second time you've seen him or imply that he's been under by himself or mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. and you're just like what is going on like yep. there's, the, Ooh, there's, there's something progr- yeah something he's hiding there's exactly. something he's not and then it leads me. up to the point where she goes in and then finds out all the backstory which is also kind of weird because if yusuf was there monitoring the first night what the fuck was he the <laughs> the next night i don't think he was there the first night well the the okay not the first night but the the night where he catches yusuf or she catches yusuf sitting with with um with Cobb. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. He's there. Oh yeah, good night. And that's yeah. it. That's it and then walks away. But then all of a sudden now, right? Then DiCaprio's al- or uh, Cobb is alone. Yeah. And she goes and all right, I'm going to go check this out and see yeah. what's up. To be fair, I think there was a little bit of a white lie going on that the way I uh the way I understood it was that they might have been testing his because he was the chemist of the crew, right? right. I think they might have been testing his compound that he developed, but no, oh, he was definitely he, enjoying it. He wasn't testing that in any way, shape, or form. He was absolutely under there for right, another but ten I don't, years. <laughs> but I don't think I don't think Leonardo DiCaprio tells anybody what else what he's doing while he's under because you don't. Oh, you don't, you don't think Yusuf knows? No, I don't oh, think he does. I think okay. I think you, he was like, we need to test this, but test it on me because in his head he's like, I'm going to go in anyways sure. to do what I usually do anyways. Mm. That's the way I understood it. I I don't like that version as much because I think that giving Yusuf that that uh knowledge gets a little bit more mystifying gets a little bit creepier gets a little bit more but that's the thing they never makes bring, that character a little bit a little bit more enjoyable to because they never bring it he never brings it up that he knows anything about yeah Cobb i see what you're saying point. i see like, what you're and saying literally not even arthur knows exactly what he's right. doing well and and something that uh jumping way forward is 
I found really interesting while, while thinking about this on the way over today. I think that it's, it's an incredible piece. And I don't know if this is, is true or not, but the way that I, that it, uh, so I watched this last night mm-hmm. and yep, same. <laughs> seeing, seeing Cobb start to explain everything mm-hmm. to um, Ariadne, he doesn't do that in the real world. He does that in a dream. So I don't think that it's necessarily a character growth or him, right, reaching out to somebody or finally like breaking down that wall a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think he tells somebody all of this and and all of and he reveals all of this mm-hmm. because he doesn't want her to remember. She's not going to remember everything. So he's going to go ahead and open up and spill the beans about everything because he's trusting that she's not going to remember what he just told her. And I think that that is fucking horrifying of you know, going into this and, and then convincing somebody to trust you because you just opened up, but right. you really didn't open up because no one's going to remember what the fuck you just did. Interesting. I don't, I, I never, <laughs> I never thought about the fact that they don't remember anything coming out of dreams because I felt like they did remember stuff coming out of dreams. I well, thought, yeah, because they've trained th- themselves, but she's not going to, or she's not gonna remember everything, especially going four levels, levels deep. Right. right. Yeah. I don't know. I never got, I never really understood it in that way that she wouldn't remember that stuff. But it gets a little more. But it gets a little more. It gets a little more diabolical when you think about that way. Just a little bit. But then there's, I mean, that there's so many like psychological twist levels in this movie. Like to think about in terms of think about the fact of the. It is a reoccurring theme, Mm -hmm. but think about the fact that you have to kill yourself in order to get out of a dream level. True. It's like how weird would it be to get desensitized to killing? Like how many times has Cobb shot Arthur in the head? to get him out of a dream level. Ah. And then when you get to real life, you're just like, I could, it, it would feel the same as if I did it in the dream, but because I know it's real life, I'm not going to do it here, right. but I'll do it in an instant in the dream. Right. Without, without hesitation. Yeah. Ooh. Like how, how crazy it is. Like, it's just weird to think about. Um, and then they even bring up the small point uh, where they were like the military exercises, like they mm-hmm. developed it as the military exercise so that soldiers could stab each other, shoot each other uh, and feel the actual pain and everything. Mm-hmm. But and without then, the actual consequences of real life, right? Um, because and because that that, that so numbs the mind, yeah. right? Because the whole the whole point that I think of of being a soldier, making somebody into a soldier, is blind. You know, you're just going to follow blindly and not really mm-hmm. have that moral compass to guide you in in the heat of the moment, which you need in certain mm-hmm. aspects. But so then then if you turn the body off and you just have it in the mind, you're mm-hmm. able to uh, to numb the mind so much quicker, and that makes them so much more dangerous yeah. and da- more totally. dangerous more quickly. Right. Yeah. I mean, then there's also psychological warfare, which is a whole thing, which uh-huh. two things I want to I want to touch on um, regarding that is, number one, I think that'd be a really interesting limited series or possibly series in general of where did this when did this technology first totally become a thing? Yeah. Right. The training of the military, the, the bringing architects in. Right. How how the first, you know, couple of times are just super fucking you up and, yeah. and really, you know, then then you really don't know what's reality and what's not. Cool. I think that could be a really fun Even thing to do. Even for me, though, I, I want that for video games minus the pain. <laughs> <laughs> like, how cool would it... I would get back into playing Call of Duty again uh-huh. if... Right. We could, if we could do virtual reality, everything's cool. Uh-huh. But if I get shot, I just want it to be like a little tap. 
Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, just, oh, I got hit. Ooh, damn. Like, like <laughs> the paintball. Oh. <laughs> Not even paintball. I don't want it to be like that. Maybe like, maybe someone threw like a, a hacky sack at me. <laughs> hey, depends on the sack. Depends on where you get hit. That can be very sand and a toss, like thrown at by a toddler. <laughs> <laughs> those are my conditions. All right. All right. Those are very those, specific those are, conditions. Those to are meet. settings you can adjust when you before you play the game. Oh, <laughs> he's playing on easy mode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hardcore mode. It's like getting punched by a <laughs> by a full grown adult. <laughs> okay, okay, there you go. Yeah, no, thank you. I will take the light version. Thank you yes. very much. Um, but the <laughs> the other thing I wanted to ask you, and and I don't know if you had you, your thoughts, right? Your your yeah. theory, and you have no idea what I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Um, so Cobb is is a thief, right? That the the whole team is you know doing something shady, kind yep. of illegal. Mm-hmm. I mean, they hint to it, and or uh, actually, yep. sorry, they don't hint to it. They they deliberately say yeah, Cobb, ah, it's not strictly speaking yes, he legal. Literally right? says that. Um. So so and and Michael Caine's character is like, eh, I didn't teach you to be a thief, right? So my question to you is, if there is a legitimate way to poke around in somebody's brain, mm-hmm. what is that legitimate way? Like, do, what what do you think is the above the table version of this above the table ver- like in in the current world that we live in no 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 uh, or- in in, in oh. <laughs> inception right before before um okay. maul killed herself right uh-huh. what was cobb doing like was because he, he clearly is one of the best extractors or the one of the best right. Is that it? Because espionage is still illegal right, right. you still can't go and, so and poke around in someone's so mind so you're wondering what his back Store, like his background he, is kind of yes but more of not not necessarily just his character but what is the legal version of this like what what is it is used for is it only to, in in military so, settings so or? what i think happened is that it was a military device mm-hmm. right and it started off that way i think someone found a way maybe it was cobb and mm-hmm. arthur they may like they may have been involved in some way or they may knew someone that like you know, black market shit happens all the time, right? Like someone might have been able to sneak out a device from the military and someone grabbed it and was, and people started thinking, well, if we're able to enter other people's minds, like, let's explore this. Can we retrieve information this way? And then, or maybe even from a, even from a military standpoint, right. you know, like okay. spies, mm-hmm. uh, like classic spy stuff. Um, they, maybe they realize there's potential for that device if they were say capture someone instead of torturing them and interrogating them, maybe this is the way to do, to find out the information you need. And I'm sure people started exploring that. And then they, like they explained in the movie, they find out that people lock away the secrets and the saves and other Uh places. Uh But see, even that doesn't feel truly like legal necessarily, or, you know, and maybe, maybe legal in the sense that there isn't a law for it or an enforcement to to stop it. But like morally, it just feels wrong. So maybe that's totally, I mean, well, torture is probably not, not very legal either at this point, (laughs) but I'm sure people in places still do that under the the radar. (laughs) That is very true. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, let's jump. Cause I have another question for you. Let's Uh jump to the, to some technical stuff real quick because I'm, I'm ever fascinated by how, you hide the camera in a mirror shot, especially uh, yes, on that bridge scene. Yeah, especially yeah, in, in that where she's, that she's starting to experiment in the dream. How the fuck do you have any idea as a camera guy where where that's put? Yeah, I mean, I feel like that has that comes down to visual effects a lot these days. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, people will key that shit out, okay, or mask that in uh, in some way, okay, because um, 
knowing Christopher Nolan and uh, I mean, what it looked like, it looks like they actually put mirror swing doors on that spot. Yeah. Right? Um, and I've noticed that in other places or in other films too, where it's like, clearly you should see the camera here, but you don't. I, I have a feeling it has a lot to do with the visual effects part. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. okay. There is in, in a practical way. There's not really a good way to hide the camera when it comes to mirrors. Like, I, yeah, so it, so it's gotta be all, all post pretty much. I, I would think so, yeah. Interesting. Unless it's um trying to think. Yeah, I don't know. I personally I I think it's visual effects. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's I mean, that's good enough for me because I don't know. And I'm like I said, I'm just fascinated. Like in Birdman, they do it several times as well. They they hide the camera pan, mm-hmm. you know, in the mirror shot. And I'm just always curious as as, you know, how, how they do that in a Christopher Nolan thing where mm-hmm. everything is very practical first and if we can't do it then let's do it you know yeah the only other ways i've been able to get away with mirror shots like that is to hide it in a certain way like maybe a certain angle yeah well either angles or maybe your shots just a little tighter and you literally line up yourself with where the actor is going to be so you can't see your reflection behind the actor because the actor is blocking you oh okay that's very possible as well. That, yeah, granted, okay. granted, in Inception there were wide shots and stuff, so I, I still <laughs> well, think not it's just wide effects. shots. I mean, there was just so much right yeah. depth to that one particular right aspect. Because even scene. yeah, because there's that certain point when both the, the mirrors are looking back and forth, and you just literally see it go infinitely the front down and the, the way. back. Yeah, yeah of both people. Um, I feel like that had to have been visual effects. So what 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 do you think that that moment represented? Because she right she. We see the infinite mirrors. We mm-hmm. see the, the, I guess, paradox it creates. Mm-hmm. She touches it and they shatter. Yep. And Cobb goes, interesting. Yeah. Right? And like, oh, wow. He's, he's really intrigued by how quickly she's picking something yeah. up. But what, that, that's something I still haven't quite grasped. What, what do you think that that actually represents? So that to me was, um, so when you're talking about the architect role for this, right, you're creating an entire almost world organically. That to me is a sh- like she found a shortcut to creating a large space in a short amount of time, and he oh. was intrigued by that because literally, because you'll go, you can you can go through to the fine points in your head, like just be like, all right, there's a lamp post, it's gonna have like a little this type of glass, whatever. Like mm-hmm. I feel like it can, in my head, I feel like it can get as detailed as that. Okay, but she found a shortcut to create a large space in a very quick amount of time kind of like the test where she where he was like create this uh what 30 second maze that takes a minute to solve or oh, something oh yeah you have 2 minutes to, to exactly. design a maze yeah so yeah. she she's able to cr- like creatively create uh-huh. complex ideas in a very efficient well, way i love that scene too i mean again yeah. all of these are so good but mm-hmm. i love that because you know their character doesn't get upset by Cobb's, you know going ah no you're not Try again. Yeah. You're going to have to do better than that, right? Uh-huh. He challenges her and yep. then scoffs at her attempt. So what, what that does is opens up the door to, are you are you up to the challenge? And right. she, she takes that personally, right? She's, mm-hmm. she's kind of ticked off by that. And yeah. I love that because, she, fine, fuck you. You know what? Yep. You didn't tell me I couldn't do... You yeah, know, this circle. It's like so you didn't, yeah, I'm like, thinking outside outside the box. Totally. I'm not doing something traditional. Right. You want me to actually make make it tough? Then I'm going to fucking show you yeah. what and I can do. And I think do. that's that kind of leads up to that okay. scene that you were talking that. about there. That's, yeah, gr- that's a great that's piece of analysis. I that it. I really, I mean, and because you know, yeah, she's also experimenting, but um, how she's able to create worlds right by folding the city in on itself yep. is is another great example of that as well. Um, which leads me to another question of how do you think the architect actually builds the world? Is it just you know, okay, we're entering this and then I'm going to think everything is here or because it has to be specific enough and right. not specific enough. I think it, I, 
I think it can get down to the fine details, honestly, because think about the very first scene when Saito falls onto the floor and he's just yeah. like, these fibers aren't right. Yeah. Like, I think you get as fine detailed as that. And then later there's a scene when they're like the classic um, poster scene where they're standing in the center of the city. Yeah. Um, there's a I noticed it this time, but like uh, she's still building in that that shot. Oh, I guess the buildings yeah. are in popping the background. Up. Yeah. So, like, I think it's to the extent of like, all right, let's just throw up some large like just blocks that are buildings so kind and then of from on the there. Floor. You can throw in windows. What uh, are what is the design of the windows? What uh, does the trim look like? And like, I think you can get you can build like put in the the template of the building blocks and then fine tune it from there. But but early on, um, Cobb says that no architects don't go in with me. Right? They just design the world. Right. So how does she get her designs into a world if she's not going to be? I think they, or or maybe it's just at the first level, right? right? And that's something they may don't really explain. But I, the way I think it goes down is that they go in to the dream world, they construct it, Mm -hmm. or maybe they just go into their own like dream and construct something. But then it's almost like they say save that project file and then bring it over here, drag and drop into this person's dream. Kind of like I've done this before, so it's already kind of like I know what it's supposed to. Yeah, something kind of like that. That's how I feel like it goes down. That's fair. Yeah. Um, another thing though is, uh, because you, you, you actually touched on exactly what I would, what I was hoping ah. you would is that scene where, right. Saito is rubbing his face on the fucking uh-huh. carpet. Yep. Um, right. Freak. It's <laughs> not my fault. Um, that, um, right. So that gets them in trouble, right? That, that's yeah. what, that's what sells. Hey, well, you know, it's not reality. I'm still in a dream. Yeah. And yet what he tells Ariadne is never create real places. Yes. Only pull from like little details here and there generic things right so what the fuck is it which is it which so is it? do I you think, want me to create the super detailed thing that's down right. to the very fiber so i think or do you want me to use something that's just kind of right. you know may or may not be what this person so knows. i think that was a specific case for them to <laughs> trick saito like just that room i think that room needed to be his room essentially okay okay, okay. but everything like but i get what you're saying yes like there's some contradictions but they even point that out like arthur's like Oh, so you've started to realize how many times, like, yeah, all the things yeah. he tells you to never do, how many times he does it. Right, right. <laughs> but, that is, again, right? Even these, even even a lot of these plot holes or a lot of these inconsistencies yeah. are kind of backed up by something like yeah. that. But I get, but to his point, it, it, it makes sense coming from Cobb's mouth that he would say not to do that because it would fuck with his head if he did construct something that was real life because he's already struggling with the, the fact, like, the factors of what's reality right. or not. Yeah, so, yeah right, right, right. Um, she's brand new to this, so she's like, just like, this is great. Like, this is, I'm just going to keep creating and yeah. whatever. Yeah. But uh, for someone that's been in it as long as he has, mm-hmm. it makes sense to me that that could fuck with your head yeah. really easily. And really easily, really quickly is, yeah. is, that's a good point. That's a good point. But I'm still going to say, mm-hmm. man, you're contradicting yourself and yep. it, it takes it down just a, a peg, you know, sure. a slight peg. Yeah. Not, not enough to, to make me hate anything, but just enough to go, you yeah. really like yeah. to me it was one of those things where it's like well for this job we're gonna do it because because okay. we because okay. ha- that's how we're gonna have to trick this guy that's fair that's also fair yeah um so keeping with the technical stuff do you for whatever reason i, I stumbled across uh in, in an interview with wally fister uh-huh. and he talks about what cameras that they used do you have any idea about what cameras there are uh, i haven't looked this up in a long time would you, would you want to even take a guess at any of them I want to say, I want to say Panavision, whether it's digital or IMAX. There are a couple. There's a uh, so there's 
Well, here you read it. Let's see. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher these names. Okay, camera and film use pa- uh, the Panaflex Millennium XL. So yeah, that's Pan. I'm pretty sure that's Panavision. I thought so too. Um, let's see the PFX System 65 Studio, the Pan Ari. So it looks like a lot of Ari and Panavision film cameras. Mm-hmm. But I didn't. Yeah, prism. I don't see any okay. IMAX in there. Well, even the particularly the. The PFX System 65 uh-huh. Studio, by just the number 65 makes me think that it's like 65 millimeter size. More than likely. So, More than likely. Cause, I so mean, it may very well be still IMAX. Just IMAX not IMAX, format. Just not outwardly saying IMAX, sure, yes. Sure, Um That's very possible because System 65, PFX 65, is, it's, it tells me that it's absolutely a cinematic movie. And I think that I, I lost a little bit of the effect by watching it you know, at home on a, on a smaller screen on a shitty sound system. Um, back to back to the first time I saw it in theater, it's just being blown away by the very concept of it. But the way that it looked mm-hmm. is it, it is a cinema movie. Yes. And the, this is the kind of thing that I that makes me want to make big budget, big screen type of movies and mm-hmm. makes me want to watch those yep. versus even just, you know, the little indies that are really thinky and uh, make you make you really question reality even right yeah no it's i, I i've just always been since inception and mm-hmm. the dark knight essentially i've just always been a christopher nolan fan i love his style like particularly his writing style yeah um it it fascinates me uh if i were a writer which yeah. i have written some stuff but i love the way he writes things i love the way he gives life to tangible objects yeah in his films yeah as well as the way he develops like characters and uh their different levels of like what they're going through mm-hmm. like uh i just think he does a terrific job with that kind of stuff well it's because he controls the information and he knows mm-hmm. when to let the audience know something when to withhold information and he, he he's just a master at that and 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 a manipulating time as yeah. well mm-hmm. um which i need to rewatch tenet again yeah oh, um but uh <laughs> it's because i i saw that in theaters and that was i i that was the only time I, i've seen it but it felt very much like christopher nolan trying to be christopher nolan instead right. of just this, letting the story and the characters drive everything right. that's at least tenet my, the, felt like another stab at recreating the success of inception a little bit that's exactly kind of how i felt which and i it, still enjoyed tenet okay. i thought it was still good mm-hmm. I just like Inception more. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and, and Inception really did kind of kind of kick off the whole, um, you know, dream within a dream or something within yeah. a something kind of totally. culture and the pseudo intellectualism. Yeah. Um, because I think that what Inception did is it was so perfectly blending engaging action thriller with that actual like mind bending intellectual high concept um, auteur type. Mm-hmm. You know, film and it just blends True. these two so well together it's it's totally. it really is so much fun yeah. um and speaking of fun did there i have a few like interesting facts about ooh, his uh about this movie but uh i'm pretty sure i found an article at some point that said did you know that the different heist characters the part the part of the team that uh, they have different um he kind of established them as roles in the film and uh film crew style did you were you aware of this oh, fact at all not really so, no i mean I, I saw a couple things where people were talking about that yeah, but i didn't quite i think he confirmed it at least for the few characters um that sure. uh, are mentioned but sure. um hit so Cobb um is 
the extractor, but he's also the director role. Yeah, in the crew. I could see that. Okay, and then Arthur is the point man, but or uh, also the producer of a oh, say a production. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and then the architect, production designer, <laughs> and <laughs> Very then much, yeah. yep, and then Eames is a uh, uh, thing is the forger. Mm-hmm. You can look at him as an actor because he's literally he's literally um, observing people and yeah. take uh, like how they their mannerisms and their personality, and yeah. then he become like. And then becomes he becomes them, them. yeah, yes. like quite literally. Yeah, so he's them. viewed as like the actor, and then I think that I think those are the four that people talked about or that he's mentioned. Um, the chemist is really just the chemist of the movie, and then every, <laughs> everyone else is who they are. But those were the f- main four. That, I like that. Yeah, I it's, like in- that a lot. it's interesting, especially the one that's most like uh, prevalent is the architect and the production designer. Right. They're literally creating the world. Right. I mean, <laughs> you, you, that's a great point. That really is. Is um. And I and I don't think he, that was ever like intentionally done uh-huh. to be like, oh hey, look, everything's about film, right? <laughs> but it's just so it's interesting how easily those thing, those kind of things can slide in and out, right? Um, but I also wonder if that maybe you know from not from a writing perspective, but more from the the actor's perspective of all right, well, I see these roles all the time, right? Yeah. So I can kind of draw this this energy from this type of person, right? Or or draw this inspiration from this group of, of mm-hmm. you know individuals that i'm around already yeah it's, it's really interesting yeah and then going down to like the little these these other interesting facts are things that you catch in the movie mm-hmm. so i don't know i'll ask you if you've caught them but um did you first off did you catch that the the anniversary suite where um cobb goes up and the room is trashed and everything mm-hmm. that number is 3502 did you rec- did you recognize that number first off? I didn't I did not catch that number and I don't know the significance off okay. the top of my head. So Well, it's a reoccurring number in the movie because the train that goes through the city is, uh-huh. has thirty five oh two on it. Really? And then the cat taxi cab in that mm-hmm. same scene, it's not thirty five oh two, but it's the number flipped. It's twenty fifty three. Ooh, interesting. Um so just little is, interesting things. That is to fun. Catch. Is yeah. there do you do you know is there any relevance to like is there any particular reason? Sorry, not relevance. I is mean, there any particular reason that that sticks out? I or? mean for me that stuff just it goes back to the whole psychological elements of it that you just can't escape this like uh, feeling of guilt and yeah. everything from that moment and that day and okay. just you know this is that haunting feeling yeah. and thoughts that every like it's it's, it's just, everywhere it's everything it's yeah. everything that's happening to him like it's just he can't escape it right and it's and, just there and speaking of real fast that train every fucking time every time it i watch the it, shit out of every me every fucking time <laughs> it gets me i think i re- i know it's coming and yet then i lose myself yeah. into this story and by the time we're there, bang! And I'm ah, oh God! I did fucking that last train. night. I went fucking train yep. again. Yeah, every time. <laughs> yeah, it it gets me every time and too. I, I love that. I love. Yeah. Oh my God! I can't. I watch again. That oh, what and, the fuck? And just to me, happened? that's also just uh, it's great filmmaking, but also great sound design because it's oh yeah, because it didn't. It doesn't hurt my ears, but uh-huh. it fucking freaks me out. <laughs> <laughs> it gets you exactly. That's, God, I mean, they won an Oscar for it, so well deserved. Yeah. But but yeah, absolutely, that's a that's a great point of of. <laughs> It's loud enough. Yes. Yeah. Right. The gunshots aren't overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. Something totally. that I that I think doesn't get talked about enough is, is something that I complain about is that the gunshots and dialogue are vastly different in in the way that it's designed and, uh-huh. and mixed. I don't feel like Inception did that this time. I don't. Re- I don't think that they were too. Uh, you know, the gunshots were too loud. And the dialogue was too quiet. Yeah. You know. I think it was. I feel well. like it was very evenly mixed. Yeah. Totally. Um, and everything popped when it should have, but. You know, and and 
Have you seen the behind the scenes where they actually put a train on wheels? They got a train car and they drove that fucking thing. A hundred percent. They figured out a way to to put a train on tracks. Yeah. And get that thing through through the middle of a city. And I mean that. So they went to um, what was it? Um, Six different countries, um, eight continents or something, something like that. Mm -hmm. And. The production office is just all around the globe. Yeah. And they they didn't um fuck, I just totally lost my train of thought. That train fucking of train. Thought. That fucking train. I see what you did there. It's so not intentional. God damn it. And lost your train of thoughts, totally like losing your mind. God. This is all just super relevant. Oh, I'm getting super tired of these jokes. I don't know. Um, something about just the way that it that it all looked and the way that it was all practically done, or some bullshit that just I felt, all felt read. coherent. It I was guess coherent, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But like everything felt each each place they went was different enough, right? Mm-hmm. It, it it was all tied together. I don't remember. I don't remember what I was where I was going with that. <laughs> but I was very excited to say something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, anyways, yeah. I'll give you another. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Bail me out. Bail me I'll out. give you another uh, interesting fact thing of just like fun things to look for in the movie. But um, so I remember it. So they were. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's hear it. <laughs> you, yes, so, sir, yes, sir. Your hand was yeah, raised. Yeah, yeah, me. I have. A, before I forget. Yes. <laughs> so they had offices all over the world, right? Yep. And it is interesting that each each city like had their own restrictions. Uh-huh. Like, that that scene in Paris was actually shot in Paris. Okay. Yeah. But Paris was very against them blowing things up. Okay. So. They still did a practical way of using, I think it was air cannons, I believe. Um, uh, What what was it? It was, uh, uh, yeah, high-pressured nitrogen cannons, which is still very dangerous, right? It's still very, you know, you have to be be very careful when when using that, but it doesn't quite have the same boom. So what did they blow up specifically with that? I'm trying to remember. That one, the practical stuff was... Oh, what was it? The he was did, it the cafe scene? It was the cafe scene. Yeah. Okay, so when the stuff's just flying, yeah, debris, and I mean, you okay. know, all, all of this stuff. There was, I'm trying to remember from from the uh, from the uh, behind the scenes that I've seen because it's it's a lot more like papers and and glass. Okay. And there's... it's interesting that you brought that up because mm-hmm. I know in the Dark Knight, particularly that uh-huh. scene with the semi going uh-huh. over, I'm pretty sure it's the same shit. Oh, because they... I think they put like a uh, huge ass like canister things on the bottom of it oh, to blow okay. it up into the air straight right. up. Yeah, that would that would make sense. I mean, you know, and, and you know, you you learn things film to film and, yeah. you know, experience to experience and you go, oh, that worked in this. Let's yeah. see if we can uh, apply it's it like, over let's here. Let's push it up with that instead. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. it was just interesting that that each location they went to also felt real. Like, yeah, it, it, it felt different enough while still being in the same movie world not yeah. obviously because it's you know on earth sure. but be in the same movie world and same tone while still being able you could distinguish quickly and easily yeah. between each other nice so Interesting. that was that was that cool i would love to hear your fun fact yes uh, back to the fun out. fact um <laughs> so the number that they have uh robert fisher cillian murphy's character say uh-huh. um randomly when he's getting interrogated is that how you say his name cillian uh, that's how I've always said it. Okay, how you, I, I how don't you know. Say it? I do not. I, um, Killian, Killian, Cillian. I, I, I was hoping it was something somebody else was going to say it before I had to. Uh, but yeah, okay. I Cillian. say it's Cillian Murphy. Perfect. Thank well, you. When I meet him, um, I'll let you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Please do. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, the number that they he says out loud is the five two eight four nine one number. 
Um, right. And so that number is actually reoccurring uh-huh. to the extent of, I don't know if you noticed, but in the hotel rooms is the most obvious one. Yes. Um, yep. yep. The fifth floor, five, uh, five, two, eight. And then the fourth floor is five, four, four, nine, one. Yep. Um, that one's the easier one. But then at the very end too, that little safe that he opens up next uh-huh. to his father's deathbed. Was the same one. The same yep, combo. That one, yeah. I, I did catch that one. I love that shit. Oh, I, I do too. And, and that, uh kind of touches on something else that i wanted to to mention is there's a lot of re- repetition in this in this movie and and totally. not even just with dialogue or lines mm-hmm. but with things like that right yep. there's a lot of coming back to it but i think what's important is especially for for something as heady as as inception you really have to you have to repeat lines mm-hmm. so the audience can remember uh earlier information or back right. when you know something was you know you, you were foreshadowing to something else um, but I think that it's really important to be aware that each time you repeat something, mm-hmm. it has to take on a new meaning. Right. Well, he does such a great job with that because an example that jumps right to my head is when um, the waiting for a train. Literally line. in my fucking yes. Head. Like because like because uh, I think the first time you hear it said is when Mal says it when she's about to jump off the building. And um, I, I think so. That sounds I about think, right. I think that's or it. it. It possibly is in one of the projections. Yeah. Either way, it's like uh, like. She is saying it or something, and uh-huh. it has meaning to that extent. You're like she's trying to convince him to jump off with her, right? But then later on, you find out when he tricked her and did incep- like inception right. to her mind, right? He's the one saying it to her to convince her to kill herself to get out of that dream world. Yep. And I'm just like, holy shit, right? that is right deep. And it and it really kind of makes you rethink. Well, then what? Back to the whole theme of this movie is what is the difference between reality and fiction? Yeah, you know, it, it's it's. Well, then what can I trust? Who can I trust? Mm-hmm. If this narrator is a little bit unreliable or a lot unreliable, <laughs> then, you know, what what is actually real? And that just speaks to, again, writing with a certain theme, writing with yeah. a certain mindset and w- with a certain emotion and, and then also letting your actors and, you know, other other production entities put their own creative spin on things because then it just it becomes something bigger than you could ever intention when you set out for it. Yeah. Um, but so I love that you're catching all of these little yeah, like with the numbers, like uh-huh. with, with all this, because I'm very much listening to the lines and the dialogue and trying to, to, you know, place the characters and everything and catch right. all of these. And that, some of these things slipped through the cracks. So I'm yeah. really glad you're, you're able to, to totally. And I mean, that's why it's, it's just one of my favorite movies. Cause I really enjoy rewatching it and finding all these new things. Yeah. And like, even on top, like even putting all that main story stuff aside, just like how, cool is it that he goes far enough into the details of say like a great example is when the van goes off the bridge and then they lose gravity Mm -hmm. it's like arthur trying to figure out how to create the sense of gravity and falling without gravity and he's like literally just like floating around and trying to move these people and like figure out the plan like it's just it's just so fun even outside of all the main storyline it absolutely is it's 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 engaging and it never like I said, the pacing never like slows down. It never feels, even though time slows down, it never mm-hmm. feels like we're losing, you know, momentum. It never really feels like like a long movie. And right. it's at the same time, it doesn't really even feel long enough. I right. don't think. I think well, it was really, you know, it was really well edited as yeah. well, which is a whole other, well, whole other part of the conversation. Yeah. Well, on is top how of that, well, this the, the this team did. Oh my god! Like that was the one thing I noticed this last time I watched it was. He actually edited it in a very smart way of where like he'd edit like say so there's real life there's first level second level third level of dream okay like he would do it in such a way of where he would like cut to first level 
play out a little bit of the scene, but then the next level would play out a little longer because they have more time. Oh. And then the, then the last level would be where like Cobb usually mm. is and it plays out even longer. Like he would cut those. Oh, I didn't catch he that. He would cut those in the way that the time is playing out. Like he would show like, you know, a uh-huh. snapshot of the van dropping uh-huh. just really short. And then the next level plays out a little longer. You see a little bit more of what Arthur's oh, doing. Shit. And then the next level, yeah. they, he's like, Eames is running around setting all the C4 and fighting. Like yeah. it plays out longer on each scene that you see. And it's just like, I oh, just got fuck. like super excited oh, about that. I love that. that. That's <laughs> fantastic. That's yeah. such a fantastic catch. I mean, seriously, oh, because again, then you're then you're really reinforcing that idea of there's different levels, right? Yep. There's and and it and it it's it helps tell the story. Yeah. Everything is done intentionally. And mm-hmm. that's something that I've, you know, harped on the entire time we've been doing this podcast, yeah. at least, <laughs> is when you when you have intention and when when you are, you know, you know what you're doing. And then you allow others to also put their creative input in as well. Yeah. Oh my God. I'd never had even yeah. thought about that. Now you have to rewatch that. it and then just be, have your Honestly. mind blown again. <laughs> <laughs> it's another it's, thing to look out for. It's just awesome. It's in that uh, it is absolutely one of the reasons why this is one of the most rewatchable things I think I've, I've ever watched ever. Yeah. Um, I mean, and there are definitely, like I said, some logical conundrums and some, some sure. of the own, you know, uh, contradictions, but it's fun and it's, yeah. and it's engaging and it's, it's a ride that, it's you, you know, you so, don't really just want to leave. And sometimes you just like, even just in talking about it right now, I, f- it's like you almost forget it's an action movie too, because mm-hmm. there is actually a decent amount of like fighting going on and sh- uh, people shooting at each other mm-hmm. with guns, and it's um, but it's so much deeper than that. <laughs> it's so much deeper than that. <laughs> it's how, just crazy. How far? How far can we go? How how deep can we go into this? Right? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! There, and there's so many levels. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about the acting. Cause, yeah. um, we're, we're starting to run a little bit, a little bit long here. <laughs> Shocking. Ooh, the one thing that I did want to want to reinforce it cause I just saw my highlighted note. Um, this is more for you just cause Ooh. I'm again, excited. Nice. So I told you, uh, that right. I, I went in with zero, uh, zero knowledge of it, uh-huh. higher expectations than I should have just being yep. excited for it. But I went in knowing nothing. Um, was this Christopher Nolan? Yes. Christopher Nolan <laughs> says in an, in an, in a, in a, in a uh, press conference, which by okay. the way, this press conference is really fucking cool. Cause it has all the actors. It oh, has, cool. um, I think it has a DP. It has a producer director. I think it has a couple of other people in it. I mean, but there's just a massive amount of, of, um, voices in this one. So okay. anyway, yeah. um, Nolan says that, um, it's difficult to balance marketing a film and, and putting it out with everybody wanting to keep it fresh for the audience as well. For sure. His most enjoyable movie going experiences have, have always been going to the, to a theater, sitting there, the lights go down, something comes on the screen that you don't know everything about. You don't know every plot turn and character movement. It's going to happen. And you know, he, he says that I want to be surprised and entertained by a movie. Yeah. And that's from the fucking director. Yeah. And I read that two days ago. I just ah. reinforces for whatever reason. Sure. I can't honestly tell you why inception was the one like the, the turning point for me that made me uh-huh. go, I need to know as little as possible, but that yeah. is absolutely. And then seeing that yep. and then a couple of the, of the other actors saying, you know, pretty much the same thing. Yeah. I just, it, it, it kind of, you know, validates that mindset of why do you have, why do we have to know everything going in? So, sure. and well, that honestly comes down to how the, ed- the trailers are edited these days, exactly. right? Exactly. The like whole thing is given. There away. are some, yeah, there are some trailers I've seen where I'm just like, damn, this trailer is still going. And it's like, <laughs> Well, you guys also just gave me the twist of uh, the film. It's like, I don't really care about seeing this anymore. Whereas, Exactly. And then you can exactly. go even to the point of trailers being edited, like uh, how Marvel and Disney approach it. Sometimes they 
literally edit it with something that's not going to be something in the film. different. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's very, I don't know how to feel about that. Like, do I, <laughs> like, do I feel like they lied to me? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> right. They enticed me to see it. They made me want, you know, it, to look forward to something. Right. But it's still a work in progress. So I kind of, I get it from the, from the production side. But yeah. as an audience member, I'm like, no, I wanted to see him say that, or I wanted right. to see this. Well, they even take it I to a point I, where I, I agree with they you. They take it to a point of where you think maybe I can't think of a specific example right now, but maybe where you uh, they edit it to a way where you think two characters are going to meet, mm-hmm. and then they end up not in the movie. Or even to take it a step further, you might think someone's going to die, and then they don't. Ah, and, yeah. Um, Hmm. Is there anything uh, recently that you're using? Uh, maybe. <laughs> from recent memory? <laughs> I think you know which one. Any characters that didn't die <laughs> in a standard film? Yeah, like, when, and they're talking about it being like the last one. <laughs> um, yeah. Nothing's coming to mind. <laughs> Marvel. Mm, cough, Anyways. cough. <laughs> um, all right, so let's let's talk just a little bit about, uh, about you know, the acting that uh, we haven't talked about. We know that... Uh-huh. DiCaprio is DiCaprio and he's going to throw himself into everything he can full force. Um, Something that I thought was interesting is that he approached it with, all right, everything is real right there. Even though it's, it's about dreams and Mm -hmm. he, he, he says, I'm not really a big dreamer. So (laughs) he had to bring (laughs) what what he did is, is he tried to look at it uh, from an analytical point of view from the start. He started research, like how dreams are, you know, formed and what they're supposed to mean. And he went, you know, he read a couple of, he went, he read Freud's book and and he realized that that really wasn't the approach. It's mm-hmm. more about, right? Again, the emotion and the realness of it. Right. And I think that everybody else kind of brought the same thing to it. Like yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he's so he's so calm and he's yeah. so cool with with his yep. delivery. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that isn't like he's super suave, but yeah. he's just like Not he's to say got that he this, isn't. I but... mean he, he absolutely <laughs> is. Absolutely is. But he's just got this nonchalance that I, I it just I can't help but want more of and he i think is one of the characters that i would love to see you know more of in yeah, general totally i can't even remember jo- joseph gordon levitt what are the last things that he's done in recent years i don't even that is like a wonderful question i would like to know the answer because i i think he's he so was hitting fantastic. his stride yeah and then all of a sudden right he just kind of tapered time. off yeah and i really wonder if he got in his own head with his uh directorial um debut with um I think it was Don, was it Don Juan, I believe, is, is, I is the first thing he, he directed. And it really wasn't accepted commercially. It wasn't a bad movie by any stretch of the imagination. But I wonder if it's commercial success or, uh, I don't know. But it's fucking... Yeah, uh, the last thing I feel up. like I remember him being in was, was it Loop, called Looper? Looper, yep. Uh, Bruce that Willis. Had, yeah, that had to have been after this, I'm pretty that sure. That was a Ryan Johnson movie. Oh, was it? Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either for the longest time. Interesting. Right? So, Johnson. Ryan Johnson did The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi, mm-hmm. and then didn't he also do Knives Out? Yep. And and obviously The Glass Onion. Yep. Um. So he's, I mean, he's no, no small fish in a pond kind of thing. <laughs> That's true. That's very <laughs> true. Point. Very true. Um. All right. So Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He's a he's done a lot of voice work. Pretty much. He was Edward Snowden in Snowden. He's been in a lot of little things or he's been a lot of big things as like the narrator or like the voice. Okay. Like in yeah. Glass Onion, he's the he's the the dong, the clock, right? Uh, yeah. the, the island's clock. Oh. 
he's the voice of the dong. Interesting. Right? Like, he's this tiny little thing. Yeah. So he really hasn't been doing a whole lot. So, anyway, yeah, I, I, I don't know if you have anything else you wanted to say, act, actor-wise. Yeah, I think they're all great. Like, I, I love seeing Ken Watanabe uh, in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Tom Hardy is obviously great. Fantastic. Um, Celine Murphy's great. And Amazing. He's, hitting, he's continually hitting his stride as, and following along with uh, Christopher Nolan. Yep. Um, so which so excited for Oppenheimer. I know. I know more about this one than I'd like to. Yeah. I, trust me, I've tried not to, but I know yeah. more about it than I'd like but to. But the trailer, these trailers, I like knowing Christopher Nolan. He's got full handle on the trailers, and he's like, "We're only giving them as much as I want to." Give That's them. true. That like, is I true. I trust that they wouldn't give us too much or mislead us in certain ways with yeah. his trailers. But um, also interesting that um, Ellen Page was a big role in this film. Yeah. And this is probably one, like one of the biggest films I've seen her in. Yeah. Um, and just interesting to this day and age at this point that she's uh, gone through her transformation mm-hmm. uh, into Elliot page. Mm-hmm. So he is Elliot page now. Yes. I, I'm curious just from like a curiosity standpoint, if Elliot page looks back at this movie and, or any of the movies that he did back when he was Ellen page mm-hmm. and, um, I'm curious how, like, I'm just curious what he thinks about that. Cause that's like, I would, I would love I, to know that. I would take it in the same way as if, um, say, you know, all my work is tied to my name. And then right. let's say I changed my last name when I got married or something like that. Right. Like, how would that, I feel like that would affect the projects I've worked on where my credit was to my original last name. Right. And, and I would, to your point, I would love to know that. I, 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 don't even want to begin to, to speculate on, yeah. on a possible answer because I, I have <laughs> it's no a, it's frame of reference. Yeah. It's a very deep question. <laughs> um, very intrigued by the answer to that. And I think it would just be, uh, if, I, if I was going to throw a wild speculation out of it, it would have to be with, you know, uh, it was just something that I did. It was something that I, you know, I look back and... Yeah. That was a different stage of my life. It was a different stage of my life. Like, obviously, it was still me. Yes. And it, it was, was still a great film. Exactly. I, and and I, did, I did a great job, yeah. and I had a lot of fun, and that's who I was at that time. Yep. Um, you know, but I, don't, I, it, I, I, I would assume that they wouldn't be looking at it going, ooh, I wish I could redo that, or ooh, I right. wish I could, you know, go back and, and be who I am now yeah. then. I, 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 that's, that's my feeling, yeah. but that I would sense. love to know the actual answer. I know, yeah. Uh, just interesting but another interesting point is is they're credited as elliot page on imdb even on oh, inception right. yeah yeah so, I, I mean I, w- I would imagine that they would have updated that on imdb right and, um, and again just kind of kind of interesting yeah um not not to bring any either side of any sure. possible political discourse <laughs> in of just it's interesting that 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 changed um even though the credit right is is on the movie right ellen page yeah um so I wonder if uh, if they ever did re- like make any more copies of this film if they would adjust the credits. Ooh, I would I would assume so. I, I would assume so. I, yeah. I mean, it's super easy to to adjust credits and then throw so. it in there, especially in the digital age. I mean, right. even in even with regular film, I think you could you could make you know exceptions and and redo it and make it pretty pretty easily done. Yeah. Um, I would assume so. Yeah. Yeah. But I I, I feel like again I don't know, but I feel like they would definitely have to double check with Elliot page and make sure that's something that that's, they want to. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause maybe that, they do look okay at it. And... Yeah. Cause maybe they do look at it as in like, well, that was my stage of life when I was Ellen page. Mm-hmm. That's all fine. But now I'm Elliot page. And so any work I do now is Elliot page and that's all fine too. Is going to, yeah. My only concern is they, they're still getting residuals, right? Not, you know, because they changed their name. They're still going to get those residuals and those checks or, or you know, yeah. not going to stop because of something. So mm-hmm. uh, absolutely trivial. 
Yeah. So, well, okay, trivial is not the necessarily <laughs> not not the right word either. To you, right? It's kind of you know. <laughs> Let's see what else. Oh, all right. What? All right. So, should we do it? I think we should. Let's talk about the ending. Okay. Yeah. Ending. What the fuck? <laughs> what happened? Um. Well. Do you want the like the simplest answer? Like, are you, are you talking about like uh, like literally the last shot? Do you want like, or is that way the answer you're looking for? I don't know, man. When I say let's talk about the ending, you feel I feel like you had a very uh, specific <laughs> point in mind. So I mean, I feel take like it from here, I feel like I know what happens in the ending. I feel like, and the ending that I want for Cobb's character is that he does in real life. He does get home. He does get to see his children. And everything is great. It's not a dream. I would that, love for that to be the case. Yes. And that that's the argument with this. It's an open ending. You mm-hmm. don't you don't physically see that like totem drop mm-hmm. from spinning. You, you maybe see it titter a little bit. Yep. Maybe a little mm-hmm. bit of a wobble. Hey, it's a weeble, but, man. They're not going to fall over. <laughs> they just gain their momentum and keep on spinning. <laughs> but um, no, that's the ending that I feel like. That's what I feel like the ending is. Just based on the information that mm-hmm. I of the visuals and everything that they've provided and that I've seen, I think that is the ending. See, I think it's it has something to do with uh, another spinning top comes in and then the, the spinning tops battle each other out for, oh, for nice. supremacy. Yes. Like a Beyblade kind of like yeah. live action Beyblade. Um, that should have been Inception 2, obviously. <laughs> 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 no, real, real quick. What what is I totally forgot to ask you this. Yeah. What is Cobb's totem? Because this isn't that isn't Cobb's totem. It's not. It's Maul's. That's Maul's totem. That is true. Which do, does that not change the entire everything for you? Because when I thought about that again last night, I haven't had a lot of time to digest my own so, thought of that. Is well, you know that also. Yes, he's hanging on to Maul, right? We I, I understand yeah. all of that. He doesn't want to let her go, but he also right after compl- mm-hmm. complimenting Ariadne for not giving yeah. him her her totem. totem yeah. Which again, another side note the fuck is that totem is it just because all chess pieces can be you know flipped over I, it... I read up on it and i oh, think it God. was i think it was weighted uh it's the way it's the feel of how it tips over so like it, okay. you know think about okay. if it was like weighted a top heavy it yeah. would fe- the feeling of it toppling over would feel different if it was weighted bottom heavy oh okay. so that okay. that's why she topples it over great perfect um, so and, and that's Thank the you. same that... thing with all their totems there's um eames's Something. totem was like a, p- a poker chip and I think it, oh, I think it had it I think it had a misspelling of a commonly misspelled word, and only he knows how he misspells it on that. So if it was if someone else took his totem, know they would spell it correctly or mm-hmm. some other way. And then um, what was it? Arthur's is a loaded die, so he knows how yep. it's like what number it's going to roll on yep. and stuff like that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So the wait and feel. Yeah. Okay, but we don't know what Cobb is, and so yeah. So, so we don't know what Cobb's true true totem his is. Original and totem at his least. Original. Yes. And what he does is immediately after going, oh, okay, cool, you're learning. So here's what my totem does. So just in case you want to infiltrate yeah. my dreams, which also I think lends to my other point of, I don't know how much is actually real and how much is all in Cobb's mind because right yeah. that totem um, is not his. It's it's something that he just blatantly tells right. other people. It's he's not secretive about a lot of these things and yeah. we don't really know what his actual one is. So, yeah, that does raise some questions. So I I have suspended disbelief on the fact that he can use somebody else's totem when they're gone, because it, the the main fact of the totem is that only, you know, how it feels and right. reacts right. in a certain ways. Right. Right. At that point, he's the only one that still knows how Mal's 
totem sure. feels and reacts to things. Sure. Um, Until but, he tells Ariadne. <laughs> sure. And that's the thing. That's the thing that's weird about that totem in particular, right? Mm-hmm. The thing that it tells you whether you're in a dream or not is that it continues to spin. Mm-hmm. And so does it not continue to spin every time you are in a dream? Like that's something that you visually see versus actually feeling. Right. So right. That, that's that, also true. That raises questions. That's a great point. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter who's spinning it. Regardless, like Anybody. exactly, because yeah. like, even in the scene where it's Maul's totem, still uh-huh. she puts it away in the safe. Uh-huh. He goes in and spins and it, spins it, and then uh, and anyone then, can and then Saito it. does on you know in, at the at the table. Yeah, in so the that beginning def- slash end. So I'm just realizing this and discussing it, but like that defeats the purpose of all the other to- like all the other right? totems. Like they they're more specific than the thing where it's just the top. Like that's the only. That's the only function of a top. Am I am I wrong? It's just a spin. <laughs> to spin, right? It either spins well, also, or it doesn't. <laughs> I'm pretty sure when when this came out, right, and we were all doing research and trying to figure out, yeah. you know, get the the ending and what we, what was not. I'm pretty sure that this particular top spins for like two or three minutes or some some kind of crazy amount of time. Interesting. So every fucking time, I feel like you need to sit there for three minutes and just wait for it, wait yeah. for it, wait for it. <laughs> for, it's like, for well, two it's minutes been four is... minutes. <laughs> this must be a dream. Oh, <laughs> well, fuck. I better shoot my... Oh, there's a wobble. There's, no... oh, oh, oh. there's got to be a family guy in there somewhere, right? <laughs> Roadhouse. Man, this is... This is... <laughs> Where's the time that we were we were incepted? Yeah, and this top is uh, still going, still going, huh? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, 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 oh no oh, no oh, no. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, no that that d- instant like instantly raised some questions just talking about. It, I'm, Thank you. Because I just don't I don't understand that aspect of that totem now. Like I think that totem was for the audience's benefit at this point. Okay, and and, and I agree with you there again, just a little bit. Yeah. Right. It's but like, again, no it's only... so insane. It spins in every reality. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it'd be great. Um, so yeah, so I'm glad I could I could uh, blow your mind with that one because it legitimately was. What I was thinking about it last night of mm-hmm. really haven't had time to digest my own answer for that, and I don't yeah. really know a theory or haven't heard something about that not being his totem. So do you have any ideas or do you know what Cobb's totem should be I or would be? Or I don't know what Cobb's original totem All right, was. Let's, let's speculate. What do you think? What do you think Cobb, not corn? If you say an ear <laughs> of corn, I will shove it up your ass. <laughs> kernel by kernel or... <laughs> gotta be it's gotta be a leather jacket right it's gotta be (laughs) oh god but anyways for Cobb, yeah (laughs) um i i honestly i don't know they're everyone else's totems are almost so random it's hard to tell what his might be yeah like uh, in my head it just feels like that top is it it feels like that top is his at this point i agree i think and i think you're, you're absolutely right is um, when, when she, when she died, he is going to use that in her memory and, and uh-huh. that, but unfortunately that's not the only thing he uses in her memory. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he uses her memory in her memory. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, I love the scene of diving into his brain and the uh, different elevator levels of different oh, memories. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, so I think that's so such well a cool done. way to represent like different, like even like he keeps his darkest memory in the yep. basement. Yep. The one that takes then, the longest to get yeah, to and, and to get hi- out of. Yes. And then the most like, uh, like the nicest 
memory that he has that like he said he said in dialogue that those are all memories that he like has some sort of regret yeah but then the nicest he wants to change yes but the nicest and most subtle one is at the top floor and that was the beach Mm -hmm. and um and i wonder i wonder why i wonder because because of that line right he wants to change it does that mean he wants to change that he wasn't there that he didn't enjoy it enough that that he maybe he and maul were in a fight because she looks kind of pissed but maybe that's just because that's the projection being kind of pissed she's just pissed in general That's but, very uh, true. That's very true. I don't know. I now that that again, it seems like now I have to rewatch that scene. <laughs> but Oh uh, no, another reason to rewatch it. But to that extent, I think just based on the way they shot it, I feel uh it feels like he's watching from a distance in that scene. So maybe he just felt like he wished he spent more time with them at that yeah. particular Yeah, that's moment. kinda that's kinda what that's I took kinda away the, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um but yeah, so my thought is the ending So my my thought is that when Cobb is assembling his team, right, and they uh-huh. get to Yusuf's, and uh, he says, I've created a very powerful sedative. Uh, I know and what then, you're talking about. Which, yep. by the way, which, by the way, who is that old guy who's just sitting there, and, and, uh, <laughs> does he just, wa- does he just randomly slap people every time a new, a new person comes down to the, into that basement? Because there's no, like, oh, hey, by the way, show them, show them how powerful this is. He just gets He's up like, of oh, his I'm own, ready. of his own volition. He's like, I am so fucking ready. He yep. gets up and Bam! Hey, see, it's like, dude, what the fuck? I was just getting, a, I was getting a wine. What are you doing? <laughs> I didn't even ask you to slap them yet. <laughs> I know. I love it. Um, I know where you're going with this because other people have had okay. the same theories. I feel like I was the, I was the first one that I know of. So I'm gonna say it's yeah. my theory. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> so I've heard your theory from other Thank people. You. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, to correct me if I'm wrong, if this isn't the way you're taking it, but after he gets out of that dream state from that scene. He goes into the bathroom, tries to spin the top, but we don't actually physically see it spin or not. It falls off the sink. So therefore, we are in the we we weren't given the information to know whether he's actually still in a dream or not. It's from that point on. We never see that top spin Mm -hmm. until the flashback Mm -hmm. or the very end shot. Yeah. That right there to me tells me that that is the answer. There is no way to know that it is anything but yep. this powerful, right, mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, sedative that that he has been given, yep. and he's creating this entire yeah, uh, heist, story, this yep. entire arc, this entire everything, this entire storyline from that point on. Yep. Is because in his how dream. long? How long can you be down there for? Right? Do you remember what what he said? Oh, it was God. something like uh, forty hours for yeah. a, a couple of hours, or yeah, an hour or two, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or was it uh, 40 days or uh, an insanely long time? Yeah, so he has totally. plenty of time to make up at whatever. Uh, <clears throat> what, what, what I was thinking about last night that to add on to that is Cobb allows himself to be taken with such an idea because it gives him an escape from reality. Cobb mm-hmm. is he knows that reality is he's never going to get to see his kids again. This is just mm-hmm. a thing that he knows whether or not he's accepted that Saito can help him. Uh-huh. He at, at at the very base level knows there is a risk here, and I am I am so unwilling to take that risk. I need to be in reality. I need to be in this in this fantasy world. Yep. And you know, so I don't know. So you I, think he was escaping? I think from he was, reality. I absolutely. I I do. I think that he he's escaping, and you know, nothing because he believes nothing he will ever do can rectify what he's already done, right? Or what has already been done. See, I. Personally, I don't like that as an ending, but I like the, I like the, 
the discussion we're having about it. I yes. love that it's there. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like I love the lingering fact that there is an argument for the fact that he is still dreaming. Um, right, right, and and you can see both sides. And, yeah. and like I said, I'm not I'm not satisfied by that yeah. ending. I just think I'm very passionate because I think I'm right <laughs> based on the evidence of the Matt, film. Matt, <laughs> where are you? <laughs> Well, I think that. <laughs> but yeah, no. Um, and not to ma- to even go on Man, a step further. I wish further, I knew the mummy better. I would have thrown that right dude, in. Dude, I was thinking about that. I was thinking about like, oh, what actors can I lead back to the mummy? We should. I should have thought about that before. Right. This. I, I gave. I gave about two seconds. I went, nah, never mind. I'm above that. Well, Just kidding. Inception is a movie, and I'm pretty sure Matt Hollenbeck has seen Inception. And it, you know what other movie he's seen? The Mummy. The Mummy. Yeah, the there mummy. it is. Boom. <laughs> but no, to your point, yes, it, it's, I, I love that we can have this open kind of discussion. Um, and yeah. I, I'm sorry, I totally t- uh, <laughs> took away, took away your steam. I'd like to, if you remember what you're saying, I'd like you to, to yeah. finish your thought. No, well, I was going to say as dark as an ending as that can be as well, that scene in particular is very dark because they're touching upon the fact that all these people have, all these people prefer to live the rest of their life in dreams yeah, rather than in real life. Well, again, that's super weird, dude. His only line that comes out of nowhere is the, the dreams have become their reality. So who yeah. are you to say otherwise? Yeah. Piss off. If that's what they want to do, who the fuck? Yeah. You don't get to tell them that they don't get to do that. That's a thing that we offer. Yeah. And that comes that, like that comes down to like discussions on autonomy and like ethics mm-hmm. of like, mm-hmm. Who's to say that, yeah, like, who's to say that if you're happier in that reality versus your, the actual reality, it's right. like, who, who are you to take that away right. from somebody? Because your mind is there, right? You're, yeah, you're essentially living there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is. And then that brings up a whole moral debate. Yeah. And, if, and that ever, if that ever became real, it could, it would totally be a debate. Like, oh, absolutely. A political debate oh, absolutely. That everywhere. would, I mean, <sighs> <laughs> I'd love it. I'd love it. I really would. <laughs> I'd love it. I, I honestly, though, just to 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 get to create and and you know be in the in the best parts of whatever you mm-hmm. could possibly want. Like think about think about going to Pandora, right? Would you mm-hmm. not want to be spend forty hours a day on Pandora? Like, absolutely. I don't know what I would give to actually be there and yeah. experience something like that. Yeah it it gets gets conflicting in my head because I'm just like, well, I want to be happier in real reality. But if I all of a sudden become happier and there's something else, it's like, is that a, is that a bad thing? Right, right. But yeah, it probably but is. I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, and I'm sure that there's a possible debate, and this is totally just off the cuff. I'm sure that there's a possible debate for that being a film versus digital, like medium of, yeah. you know, the old ways, the film way, that's reality. And now this new wave of digital medium is not really a thing, but it's so new and fresh and, and it can yeah. go so in so many different places. Right. Well, you know what this uh, movie actually reminds me of? Um, Inception. Well, aside from that, <laughs> um, this whole discussion that we're actually just having reminds Batman. me of... Memento. Fuck, what is it? Don't worry, darling. Oh, yeah. Because she, the state that yeah. Florence, Pugh char- Florence Pugh's character is yep. in, she's just basically kind of just appears there and she's living this whole other life. Yeah. And she's happy for, for a period of time. And is that comes brings in the ethics of right. like, is that is that okay if she and other people are happy in there? If they're happy, but the thing is, they're unaware. That's, a th- you know, with yes. bliss... You know, blissfully unaware. How how often do you think that those people that are in that scene in Inception are in their dream state and they just 
don't even care about the fact of being aware of that that's not their reality anymore. I think at a certain point you are aware of it, right? That's that's kind of the point because they keep <sighs> coming know. back, right? Those people in that basement, right, getting that sedative. Right. Well, think about it like this too. Cobb and Mal were down in their that fourth level dream for yeah. fifty years. Yeah. Unconstructed a, they, dream space, which they, there are some very corny lines thrown about. There is. <laughs> but think about that in terms of they spent more of their life in the dream world yeah. than they did in real life. In real life, right. So what like I think it's in a psychological standpoint, at a certain point you're just telling yourself that this one's re- more real than this one because I was here I longer. Was, I was happier here longer. So, so it's about the longevity, or it's about the actual time spent. I, I just, uh, I don't know if it's. I think those are variables, but I think it comes ultimately down to just. I don't know. I mean, personal preference. Yeah, I guess. I guess for lack of a better term, because you're experiencing things the same, right? To right. the like with the nuances of being able to create things and not create things or whatever. But yeah, I don't know. It's. The mind boggle. <laughs> it really is. It really <laughs> truly is. Um, something that annoyed me was, I mean, it, you kind of helped me, you know, be less annoyed by it uh, with, with that right there. But, uh, you know, Maul's whole thing was she she couldn't come back to reality because, right, the dream had become her reality. It had become her, her whole life. And that's what she wanted. To, she yearned for. Right. I mean, you know, not you know talking about the fact that DiCaprio killed her, basically. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but how would you so so you're in a completely unpopulated uh-huh. enormous city yep. that you can manipulate at will yep practically mm-hmm. that's gonna you, you, then you come back to actual like interaction with human beings and you're choosing to think that that is your reality there's not another human being there there's not another anything there it's yeah. just the one person so that right there was fundamentally difficult for me to understand about that character. And so, but I was you say, just answered, mm, you sh- they were there for fifty fucking yep. years. I have another argument Ooh, uh, too. On top do, of that, please do. So I'm very annoyed by this one. Yes. So on top of that, um, my other argument is that he explains that inception. Once you plant an idea in someone's head, like in that certain way, mm-hmm. it infects somebody's mind like a virus. He literally says that. Oh, And yeah. so then I think something psychological takes over to the point of where it's it's not natural yeah. and yeah. it's something that just infects your mind and you can't get that idea out of your head. Right. Like it, it, he says it be either comes to define you or destroy you. That's and a really so, good point. So no matter, despite her lack of being able to create anything or whatever, mm-hmm. doesn't matter. She's got this idea stuck in her head. She's something, like, something, she's like, something changed, but... It's just, you know, this life is is still a dream. We need to kill ourselves and get out of it. Right, right. We got to so, go back. We, uh, we that, have to get so back. So that's where I would argue again. Okay, that, okay. Yeah. I still, I still am holding on the fact that there's not another fucking person there. There's <laughs> not another. How do you not? I just, but I haven't spent 50 years in, in, un, in an, unconstructed dreams. I haven't space, spent so. 50 years anywhere yet. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Yes. Good point. <laughs> Um, uh, but yeah, um, shit. What was the other thing I wanted to say? <laughs> Do you have any anything else you wanted to? Was there anything anything that annoyed you on on this last viewing, or just in general? Is there is there anything that that you want to kind of nitpick at? Anything that you you don't really like? Like, mm, yeah, I see what you're doing, but shame on you. You shouldn't. You know, tisk tisk. 
I don't know. I, Inception's one like I like I told you prior to this podcast. Inception's definitely it's got to be in like the top three for me. Um, I feel like it's definitely one of the most solid movies I've seen and experienced. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's e- even in the the lingering questions. It's just open ended enough that it doesn't bother me. If that makes sense, like yeah. the lingering yeah. questions, I actually enjoy the fact that there's lingering questions. Is he still in a dream? Yeah, like you could argue either everything way. Everything is tied together. Yeah, yeah, I I kind of like that, mm-hmm. uh, and it kind of adds to it for me. So I don't know. Yeah, Inception's still up there. It's. I mean, and and, and yeah, the, these little things that I'm definitely not not you know going to say by any means is is it any lower of of a movie or is it any less enjoyable of a film or anything like that it's just these little things because i've seen it so many times i can start to nitpick at the really like the fabric of of this movie right because that's really all that there is left it is so well done it's so well written it's flawlessly executed in Mm -hmm. so many ways from the technical side to the acting to the producing to the honestly even the advertising of it the little bit that i did see (laughs) um or you know not not intentionally see yeah um it, it's all so well done. And, and then, like you said, then, then we have what the audience brings into it of, of their own beliefs and expectations yeah. and, and what they take from it. And I mean, I, I've, I noticed that song, right, that, that main theme song of yeah, everywhere. It, and every time mm-hmm. I hear it in, in a car commercial, in another movie, I'm like, are, are they doing an Inception reference? And right. when it's not, I'm a little bit upset. I'm a yeah. little bit irritated. I'm like, <laughs> it's so, it was such a culturally relevant movie. And it changed the way, I wouldn't mm-hmm. say that it changed the way cinema was done, but it's definitely changed the way that um, mid-level budget uh, films were, were, you know, looked at. And, totally. and if they weren't this smash success that were, you know, heavy-handed, you know, two, mm-hmm. two-handed heavy hitters of it's got to be intellectual, but it's also got to be action and it's got to, ha- right. you know, be appealing to multiple quadrants. And it's just, it, it's, it's a, it's a one-of-a-kind thing that I think yeah. is, is... I'm very lucky to say that that I was able to see it when it came out and we're able to, yeah. to experience it now. Yep. Uh, looking back even after 10 years ago, after, after this being out and still being pretty relevant in, in today's society. Yeah, it pushed, it pushed the boundaries for its time of what can be done on a cinematic level. Yeah. And um, that's just great. Like the next movie that I feel like did something like that in this recent last year was everything everywhere all at once i would totally agree with you um i, I think totally they pushed the boundary you. um those directors pushed that boundary they made something really interesting they explained it out very well and they added a whole comedic element to it that oh, was just it, it was just great and, and i think the comedic element of everything is is part of what, what gave it its charm of it was this fun kung fu action type yeah. movie and then you throw this you know this comedy in because there's so much heart it's mm-hmm. this perfect balance. I think yeah. you're absolutely right. So absolutely it's always right. super refreshing to keep seeing these movies that push those boundaries yep. throughout the years. Yep. And I can't wait for, for more. Um, so what do you think? Should we, uh, should we rate this thing? Yeah, let's, let's, let's rate this. Bitch. Ratings, ratings, ratings. Ratings. Right, so out of 10. I'm assuming uh, we're both going to say yes on rewatchability. <laughs> yep. I think that was something we actually talked about. Yeah. Um, if it comes into theaters, I'm going to go see it in theaters. And Dude, let me know. Because I, like I said, <laughs> this is a cinematic ass movie. And I really think that the it's better in like Dolby surround sound. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not bad watching at home, but it's definitely better. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
I so. definitely enjoy right. seeing it on so big screen. So we got that. So do you know what you would want to rate this out of 10? Uh, yeah. I mean, being that it's in my top three, it's got to be one of the highest ratings I have for movies. And, you know, if I have to put a number on it, I want to say it's probably a 9.25 for me. Woo! All right. It's up there, man. It is up there. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'm going to go quite that high, but I'm definitely in the eights. I could probably go as high as eight and three quarters, but I think I'm going to give it uh, a solid 8.5 on this one. Uh huh. Like I said, just because it's it's super cinematic. It's it, The story is fantastic. I love the characters. Everyone yeah. does a great job. Yeah. So I guess out of curiosity, because I, if I remember correctly, you and Matt rated Avatar 1 as well, like one of your highest ratings. And yeah. I think you guys both put it in the nines. Yeah, that so you one, still like that, that one's better. for me, yeah, 9.25, just because of the spectacle of that one, the, okay. the technical proficiency of, of what it did. Inception just, see, I, I could put it in the, closer to the nines, uh-huh. um, but I think, I think eight and a half is, is solid for it. Okay. Maybe at the next rewatch and, <laughs> and later in, uh, when I, when I readjust things, maybe it'll go a little bit higher. <laughs> The more you watch this, the higher it goes up. That's probably true. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. Jeff, thank you so much for for joining me on this. Um, Yeah. There's so much to talk about with this. I I didn't even, I mean, I definitely talked about a lot, but I didn't quite come close to talking about (laughs) everything that I possibly could have uh, about this movie. So um, at some point, we may have to sit down with or or without microphones, talk more about this, because this was was great. This was really a lot of fun. yeah. Yeah. So always, always nice podcasting with you guys. Absolutely. Great to see you again. <laughs> um, and we're uh, what we watched. We're on Twitter, Facebook, where we've got some other socials. So go check us out there. And uh, don't forget to let us know what you thought actually happened in Inception. <laughs> Jeff, I, I know that you didn't set this. Like, this wasn't your idea to do. Not, I did, not this necessarily. This wasn't my idea to do. So who gave us this idea to do this this podcast? <laughs>